Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session, the weekly jazz interview show. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is available for free in iTunes. Please take a minute and subscribe so you're always up to date. You can also listen at thejazzsession.com. In addition to episodes of the show, thejazzsession.com features written interviews, live jazz news, and lots of jazz links. This week's guest is bassist and composer Eberhard Weber. His new album on ECM Records is Stages of a Long Journey. From that album, this is Silent Feet. My guest is composer, bassist Eberhard Weber. His new album for ECM, recorded during his 65th birthday celebration in Stuttgart, Germany, two years ago, is called Stages of a Long Journey. The album brings together many of the people with whom Eberhard Weber has been performing over the past several decades, and uh, it's his first live recording and an amazing document of what sounded like an incredible evening. Uh, Eberhard, welcome to the show. Ah, thank you very much. Uh, if I didn't, if I heard it correctly, it's my fifty-fifth birthday. Sixty-fifth, right? It's the sixty-fifth. Yeah, not fifty. No, 60. I think I, I think I said sixty-fifth. Yeah, well, I, I understood. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, just to be correct, just sure. to remain correct. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a youngster anymore. Right? <laughs> Fair enough. Well, yeah. Will you talk about how this concert? happened it seems like a, a fairly large undertaking featuring the orchestra and all these musicians yeah. who are very in demand how did this concert come about yeah actually um it was always my my long time long term wish to to uh, play once with a symphony orchestra but as you can imagine it's a, a really an expensive uh, uh, um, uh, uh, idea 
and I never succeeded. And now, uh, um, just bef- one year before my birthday, I met somebody who had contact to, to uh, members of the Stuttgart Radio Symphony Orchestra. And he said, I, I think I can convince them to, to do something together with you and other musicians. And uh, he worked hard on that, and he succeeded. And suddenly he came to me and said, okay, the, or- the orchestra is ready for you. <laughs> do whatever you want. And, of course, um, I had to deal with the fact that the orchestra or the management of the orchestra, they were a little scared that I might use them just as background background sounds. And I said, of course, no, 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 don't you worry. It will be a full orchestra, uh, and which is not on the album. I, I also asked them to play own pieces, classical pieces. They played a piece of Stravinsky, Charles Ives, and, and Maurice Ravel. They played also, which is not on the record, though, but because it's my record and there's only kind of jazz stuff. But uh, live, they, they also performed their own stuff. As a matter of fact, for the majority of them, it was the first time that they have been confronted live with jazz people. And I'm very happy to say that it, it, it was just two nights. And after the first night, the spokesman of the orchestra came to me and said, I'm, I'm uh, allowed to tell you that we enjoyed it very much to work with all you guys, and we are looking forward to tomorrow. So it was really a nice, a nice thing, you know. Many of the pieces on which the orchestra performs are, well, they're existing pieces. And I'm wondering, how, how did you go about incorporating the orchestra into the music so that it would be organic, as you described? It's a good question. I mean, <laughs> I, I have no recipe to, to, to make it organic and so on. I just uh, uh, trusted my own taste and so on, and I started to compose. And in the first place, I, uh, I had to decide which, which pieces I will use. Uh, because uh, it's it's majority is, is all pieces I they are all, they are already recorded and uh, published and so on, and I thought um, let's say one of my most favorite pieces like Colors of Chloe or Yellow Fields and so on, they have been published in seventy four to seventy eight something like this. This is a long time ago, and since then they haven't been played anymore and not composed and whatsoever not arranged. And I thought, why not taking one of these old pieces and, and renew them and show them the to, today's uh, public, you know? And so I, I picked them up and I took more or less just the melody and so on, uh, arranged something with the orchestra. Hopefully, it will, it will sound all right, and it seems that I, that I did not so bad. <laughs> How does improvisation work when there is a live orchestra on the stage? Well, of course, it has to be discussed. I mean... We know that the orchestra has a, part, a written part, let's say the part B, B and C, and then comes the D part, which is the band. And the, and the band, of course, has uh, so many repetitions, particularly for soloists. So we just gave the, 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 the conductor a hint. Um, it's, it's approximately five times repeated, maybe six times, maybe four times. So watch, watch out the sign of the, of the player. He will tell you when he, is, when he will be when he will finish and so on. And then you just lead the, the next part of the orchestra in and so on and so on, you know. So there was never a problem there. There, there was never a misunderstanding. I mean, so to speak, after the, the, the first rehearsals, of course, um, it turned out that, um, let's say, the solos remained in the same length somehow. It was maybe six times or seven times or whatever. It, it didn't change drastically in the evening. What was it like for you to hear this music surrounded by the orchestra? <laughs> Fantastic, of course, because it was my dream. And finally, my dream came true. Came true. And, of course, I was very excited and nervous, of course, you know, and you can imagine. 
I was the master of ceremony. I I'd, uh, I had also to announce and 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 explain everything. Of course, I did it in German, so it could not be on on the album. But it was really exciting, and and I, I also I have to say I picked the musicians in order to present the most important musicians of my musical career um, at some point, you know. And it started with a German uh, piano player, Wolfgang Downer. I, I, I played with him this duet piece, the yesterday's piece, and um, I wanted him to, to also to be there. followed by, by Gary Burton, who was the first one to bring me to the United States. So, in other words, started my kind of international approach and so on. And then, of course, it was uh, the other piano player, which, uh, Rainer Brüninghaus, who happens to be in the Jan Gabarik group. And, of course, I wanted to have Jan Gabarik as well. And in, the, in, the, in that group, then, there was also Marilyn Mazur, the percussionist. And so it was only logical that the whole Gabarik group was also invited. And... Uh, of course, there was, it was a big financial situation, of course, and I would have liked to, in, to invite many more musicians because I, I know a lot more musicians like Ralph Towner, Pat Messini, and so on and so on. But, I mean, it, there, was a, there was a financial limit, so I had to say, okay, these are the most important at the time being, and I can invite them. And, you know, there are always more birthdays, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's correct. I, yeah. I, want to, I want to talk about your relationship with Jan Gabarik. Mm -hmm. uh, on this album, there's a, a track called Seven Moments, which is a duet between the two of you, and an absolutely amazing duet, and it shows the level of communication and understanding mm -hmm. between the two of you. How did you, first, how did you first meet, and what is it that makes you such compatible players? <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I met Jan Gabarik the, the very first time when we had uh, the the famous Solstice recording session together with Ralph Towner. And that's when I met him the first time. And as, as it turned out, we, we somehow were on the same musical lines and, and same, same feeling and so on. So, for example, now the seven movements, for example, um, this is, in fact, it was, as a matter of fact, it was once a solo piece. I played it only alone. And then I thought, why shouldn't Jan just follow me? And I just explained to him, listen, I play this phrase and I play this phrase. And you come in whenever you want, and you play a little melody. You invent it yourself, and uh, believe it or not, what you hear on the on the album is just more or less spontaneous. Uh, uh, presented that night, you know, and the next night it sounded different, and so on and so on and so. On. It was really um, um, there was nothing organized. I mean, Jan played totally free, whatever he wanted, just just things which fitted onto the harmonies which I presented to him. Thank you. 
why do you think you two are such a good match? You've been playing together for decades now, and yeah. it's certainly working out well so far. <laughs> yeah, why? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, so to speak, the only survivor of all these groups. I mean, the Jan Gabari group started in 1980, what was it, 1982. Uh, yes, 1982 it started. And we had about nine or nine or ten changes, and I'm the only survivor. <laughs> God knows why. I don't know. He, he likes my playing, and uh, um, and of, of course I know uh, you can like my playing or you can hate it, but it's certainly very special. I'm very proud of that, and and I'm glad about that. And um, and he he likes it, <laughs> so uh, he always asks asks me to to join his his uh, next group and so on, and uh, until the very day, you know. And why we are together, I can't really say. We have the same, the same un, un-jazzy approach, let's say, like this. Um, we can play jazz too, but it's not our goal to, to play as jazzy as possible. We just want to present music, of course, which is improvised and creative, but not whether you call it jazz or not jazz, we don't even care. We actually prefer if you don't call it jazz, just call it improvised music or whatever, you know. We, we both feel the same, so it's only only clear that we somehow function together. You mentioned your playing. Your sound is recognizable in mm. about one note. And uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good thing. Uh, let, let's talk about that sound. Part of it, at least, must derive from the special bass that you play, right? Can you talk about that bass and um, what makes it different? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I'm not quite sure. I mean, it's the third bass now I have of this kind of special time. I call it electric upright bass, and it's the third model now I have since I started it in '72, if I'm not mistaken. That's when I did it the first time. I tried it the first time, and of course there is there there is a certain quality, but I can't really. There is no secret. I mean, it's just a piece of wood and uh, and a body and a neck and 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 a bunch of strings. <laughs> And the pickup, and that's more or less it. And I believe that uh, whatever comes out of it is my probably my my musical approach, and and hopefully my musical talent. Because I I, I once made a test with somebody and uh, and played uh, a variety of my albums. Among others, there was also Colors of Chloe. And the guy said, uh, "Oh, you sound you sound really uh, every record you you have your sound." And I had to I had to tell him. Listen, on Colors of Chloe, I played double bass and not electric bass. <laughs> I played electric on, on Colors of Chloe only for a few bars, but the rest is double bass. But still, I sounded obviously different on the double bass too, or similar like to the electric bass. So uh, I'm, I'm proud to say and happy to say, it seems to be me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> who, the who man, not the machine, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> and, I, I, and I don't believe in machines, by the way. I mean, yesterday I had another interview, and, and the guy asked me, probably was for a magazine, and you know all these magazines, uh, instrument magazines, they always want to know what strings do you play, what amp do you use, what effect, and so on. In all interviews you can read that, and then the, the guy said, oh, I use these, these strings, and uh, they're fantastic, and I use this amp, it sounds so great. I don't have that. I mean, I, to be honest, when you ask me what kind of strings do you play, I can't tell you. This bass I play currently was done, I think, in '86 in Israel by an Israeli uh, luther bass maker, and he put on some strings. And I never asked what it is, which brand it is, and I don't even care. And as long as they sound fine, it's, it's okay with me. 
I won't be asking you any of those questions because I I don't have the technical knowledge for your answers to mean anything. So you're you're safe with me. Yeah. Okay. Your about your playing itself, though. You, uh, I've always loved your bass playing, and one of the things I like most about it is you seem to be able to not only play the role of a bassist, but also really offer a lot of melodic content at the same time. Yeah. Which which seems almost like a contradiction to hold down the bass end of a composition and also play melodically is that something you've really uh, kind of strived for over the years to do both those yeah elements? i mean i i like this way I, I i call myself kind of an emancipator of the bass but i know there are quite a lot of quite lots of musicians that don't like that uh when i play more let's say regular jazz at some all-star band there's a german all-star band for example i'm also a member and whenever we play we don't play standards but we play kind of kind of jazzy arrangements and so on and then uh, they are a little bit worried about uh, me sometimes because uh, they are used to, to regular double bass players. And as you know, double bass in the background be- embedded into piano and drums, they make just more or less some boom, 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 you know. And of course they play correct notes, but they still are very decent. But now when I, when I play, it's not a question of volume necessarily, but I, my tone is so clear that they are sometimes shocked to, that they hear definitely what the bass player plays. And sometimes uh, I might also overtake a little bit because I can, if I want, I can lead from the double bass, from, from the electric bass too. And some of the uh, front players, they, they, can't, they can't stand that. They turn around and say, hey, is this a bass solo concert or what? <laughs> you know, and, and then, then of course I say, no, I'm sorry. Uh, but I mean, I, I just play as, as strong as you do but uh, you are not used that a bass player says what he wants, and and I I I, I definitely I, I I want to leave. I don't want to play permanently in the background. I want to stand at least in the middle ground or sometimes in the foreground too, like you guys. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you mentioned uh, pianist Wolfgang Downer, who's on this recording yeah. and with whom you've been playing for more than forty years. You said uh, that it was Downer who introduced you to the scene when you first. Yeah. Uh, began playing. What yeah. was that scene like back then? And where was that in Stuttgart? It was around Stuttgart. Yes, I mean I, I was raised close to Stuttgart, and I I wasn't a, a, a professional at all, so I was just an amateur. And and uh, he was a professional already. So whenever he, we had little tiny little tours, or we played in 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 the area around Stuttgart, it it happened that uh, some more or less famous musicians came first German uh, German musicians, and then even some Americans or whatever. Don Mensa and people like that, who happened to be with the army then in Germany, you know, as soldiers. And um, then they, they set in, and then so I, I slowly started to know more and more people, and and, uh, and he, so to speak, he introduced me. And, but it, it took still a long time until I decided to become a musician. I didn't want that right away. I was raised that I should I should uh, rather earn my money honestly. <laughs> my, fa- <laughs> my father was a music teacher, and he he was not terribly successful. He was he was alright, but he wasn't terribly successful. And he wanted his son to make some decent money, <laughs> and not to struggle and so on and so on. So it took quite a while until I finally decided to do best what I can, and this was actually music. And as a matter of fact, it was my wife who said, now you do what you can and forget about the other stuff. <laughs> well, that was a valuable piece of advice. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely, yes. <laughs> One of the uh, few compositions on the new recording that mm-hmm. is not by you is Carla Blaze's tune Syndrome, yeah. Uh, yeah. which 
is a wonderful choice and mm-hmm. uh, very very different in many ways from what's on the rest of the recording. I wonder why yes. you why you chose that. Well, in the first place, because I, I wanted the audience, and of course us too, the musicians. I want the audience to be able to listen to the insane technique of of uh, Gary Burton. I mean, this in- introduction stuff he plays, this introduction choruses, they are so amazing. And uh, of course, he was he was uh, uh, they celebrated him, you might say, afterwards, and they couldn't believe what he plays. Since it was a kind of a jazzy piece, I thought, why shouldn't the other ones also uh, show once their kind of typical jazz talent? Also, Jan, he plays amazing saxophone, you know, which you hardly hear ever in, in, this, in this way because his music is different, you know. And he, now he showed also that he can play really jazzy if he wants. And he plays it also in a very nice way and not in a, not in a, in a, uh, um, a worn-out way. Like many young musicians do, I mean, they just play like for, uh, like uh, their, their heroes. But Jan plays not like anybody. He plays himself, and that's that's what I want. Uh, 
touched on this a little, but why was Gary Burton an important figure in your musical life? Um, in the first place, he he heard one of my albums and and said, I have to play with this guy. <laughs> and then he invited me to come to the United States. And no, first he invited me to, to, to join a record with him, which was called Ring, I think so. Ring was this Yeah, album. that's right. That was the one. And as a result, he said, let's do some tours in the United States because it functions really nice. I wasn't his bass player, by the way. I was a solo bass player because there was always Steve Swallow. He played, so to speak, the bass player's part, and I was allowed to, to play melody and solos and so on. When we, do, when we did the, the, the tours in the United States, then we, we uh, switched a little bit. So we had uh, we developed a special technique, uh, Steve and me, so once uh, a few bars, I played low and he played high and vice versa and so on. So it, it worked out. So actually, we could do this spontaneously. We just opened a piece of music, a real book or whatever, and Gary announced, okay, let's play this and this and that piece. And then we did it spontaneously without even rehearsing, you know. We just knew, knew each other very well how to do that. And uh, Gary was, was always uh, very important for me because I... For me, it was, he was one of the first perfect musicians. Since then, I, I worked only in Germany, and there, there were good musicians too, but this kind of per- perfection uh, Gary had to offer, and also, of course, Deep Swallow and other ones. This was so amazing for me that uh, he immediately uh, was kind of a hero for me. And, and, and now we, have, we didn't have contact for decades, you might say, but I thought suddenly for this, for this surprise... I call him, and he said, right away, I will be there. <laughs> and I will come, I'm happy to come to Germany and to play these concerts with you. And I was really happy about that. As a matter of fact, um, he doesn't know yet. <laughs> but uh, next year, we are, we are planning to present live concerts in Germany and maybe all over Europe several times, maybe 20 times or so with the same orchestra or another orchestra. So this is the same plan. So it might be actually once a live um, a tour you know, this project, once. Oh, that sounds very exciting. Yeah, it might be 2008 and 2009. That's the plan, at least. I mean, we, we try to finance it and so on. There are still negotiations, but uh, there are definitely plans, and, uh, and I'm sort of sure that everybody will participate. Are you going to expand the repertoire for that yes, series? Yes, certainly, yes. I will, I will, we will play probably as, as most of the, the same stuff, but, of course, different stuff as well, too. New stuff and, and so on and so on. That's for sure. Because... Uh, since we had uh, other pieces which are not on the album, um, and we need a full two-hour program, of course, there will be many, uh, much more, will be much more music and much more experiments and whatsoever. So I'm really looking forward to finally to start to compose for the new project as soon as there is the okay and you can start now. We know what to do and when and why and <laughs> and so on and so on and where. When I first received this album in the mail and I was just looking at the personnel and mm-hmm. I saw that there was a, a beatboxer and a person playing an <laughs> instrument called a hang, which I'd yeah. never heard of. Yeah. I uh, I thought, well, that's that's going to sound pretty out of place. But when you actually get to it in the context of the record, it sounds absolutely like it belongs. And I wonder how, yeah. uh, how you thought to involve these two musicians. Well, I, as, a, as a matter of fact, I played with this, this other, uh, this other Reto, Reto Weber, I played with him many times with other people, with Enrico Rava and with Albert Mangelsdorf and so on. We had many combinations, and among others, there was this this uh, beatboxer. And um, it was not planned actually. And when I, I I had just planned the orchestra plus the other jazz musicians, and as as closer as it got, uh, and my friend is a friend of mine, Reto Weber. 
uh, he said, hey, this is your birthday concert. Maybe I can come by just spontaneously and do something. And then I said, yeah, that's a nice idea. Let's do a duet piece. And then suddenly I said, ah, we have this beatboxer. This might be a big surprise. And believe it or not, the first night, it was not on the poster. It was actually the orchestra didn't know. Just before the last piece, I stepped in front of the stage and said, and now we have a big surprise, and nobody knows, even not the orchestra, nobody knows, and then I uh, invited these two people. It was an insane success, of course, you know. They couldn't believe it, they never heard it. The orchestra never heard that, and it was it was amplified perfectly in the hall. Uh, it was fantastic. I mean, some... Some some critics in some reviews it was even written this was the highlight of of the whole evening which of course I considered a little bit silly but <laughs> anyway you can, you can certainly hear the crowd uh, yeah. show their appreciation oh, and it's only a very short version I mean uh, it's about six or six minutes or so on the, on the album I don't know yeah I think it's four minutes on the album or four it's minutes short, only yeah. but in reality it was twelve <laughs> wow but then, but then I have to say there was also a kind of visual stuff you know he. He, uh, his cap fell down and you know and whatsoever so he made some funny and he made some some baby sounds and kind of silly stuff which did which would not function uh, on the record it, it of course it functioned live because it was spontaneous and the people laughed like crazy but if you would have brought it also on on on, on the CD you wouldn't understand and it needed the live situation therefore I cut it down to only four minutes or whatever it was just to the musical content and not to the spectacular content In addition to the tour that you mentioned, what else is coming up for you? Can we expect you back in the studio? It's been about six years, I think, right? So. Um, not not right away, because I'm I'm not so well these days. Um, I haven't I haven't published yet, but we decided now since there were so many rumors now um, that I that we came out now that I had uh, mid mid uh, April I had a stroke. And I was paralyzed left hand side and and foot and and arm and so on and i'm uh, now uh, I, I'm recovering strongly and sort of quickly, but still I'm not able to to play the standard I would like to play because my left hand is still not really functioning as much as I want, but I have lots of ter- therapies and I will continue to work on it and I will be back but the the big problem is. Everybody, all experts, therapists, doctors say, you will be back. That's very convincing, but none of them says when. <laughs> so I have to wait. Is it uh, another month, another two months, another three months, another half a year? I don't know. That's my, my personal problem in the moment. So yeah. you're, you're doing physical therapy and also yeah. still playing playing the bass to 
I try to play the bass, but I mean, this is this is just a try. I mean, sure. I have no I have no power in the left hand, and but the fingers move already. This is the good side. <laughs> you know, you are you are, when when it happens to you, you are so happy about one millimeter. You know, when you can move your hand for one millimeter after it was paralyzed. It's 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 the the biggest gift you can get when you can move it only for one millimeter. But of course, it's just a sign that it it will recover. But it's not a sign yet that you will be able to play normally again, you know. And this takes certainly another time, time X. Let me say it like this. I, I'm even if you ask me, I can't tell you when. Uh, I'm hoping a few more weeks or a few more months, but I can't say. I can't really say. So I have to wait. Of course, I will compose. Uh, meanwhile, because I'm still here now in the hotel, because I'm doing therapies every day uh, in the neighborhood, and uh, that's, that's why I'm not at home. And uh, but as soon as I will be at home, of course, I will compose also for this for this orchestra thing and for other reasons, which I have to find out what for to 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 kill the time before I before I can continue to play regularly. So the Young Gabara group uh, had a, had a big has a big tour this year and. So far, I, I, I instead of a hundred concerts which they, which are planned, I played so far four or five only, and um, whether I can join the group this year again, I have no idea yet. I will try, but I have to wait. And they are waiting for me too. They said you are irreplaceable, so hurry up. <laughs> I said I will do my best, but yeah, what can I do? I can only start again when I'm when I'm back to my regular, hopefully quality routine. You know. That's my current problem. Well, I wish you all the best on your recovery, and I really thank you for uh, taking the time to talk to us about this fantastic oh, yes. album. Oh, you are welcome. Thank you so much, too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye now.
That's Eberhard Weber from his new live recording, Stages of a Long Journey, on ECM Records. You've been listening to The Jazz Session, the weekly jazz interview show. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is available for free in iTunes. Please take a minute and join the hundreds of folks who subscribe to the show and get the latest edition every week. You can also listen at thejazzsession.com. In addition to episodes of the show, thejazzsession.com features written interviews, live jazz news, and lots of jazz links. I'm really excited to report that earlier this week, the Jazz Session passed 15,000 downloads. Thanks very much to everybody who's made the show a success. Thejazzsession.com also features a link to the Jazz Session's Cause of the Month. This month, it's VH1's Save the Music Foundation. Please click the link and give them some cash. Thanks. For more interviews and reviews, visit allaboutjazz.com, the world's largest jazz website. You'll find my writing there beside that of many jazz experts and fans. You can contact me at jason at thejazzsession.com or call 585-473-5304. The Jazz Session's mailing list is available at thejazzsession.com. When you join, you'll get updates about the guests who appear on this show, plus other news from the world of Jason Crane. The theme music for The Jazz Session is by the Respect Sextet, online at respectsextet.com. Thanks also to Dave Rabel, who designed the show's logo. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session. Thank you for listening. Bye.